Hey, it's your pal, the Dancing Housewife. Are you completely addicted to ballroom dance like the doc and me? Or maybe you're just getting started or even an interested wallflower. Wherever you are on your dance journey and however you got here, this podcast is for you. So join me this week for a cup of joe and get to know Victoria Esposito in episode 27, Once Upon a Ballroom. Tori Esposito lives in Phoenix, Arizona. She loves fairy tales, theater, and ballroom dancing. So one day she decided to combine them all and that's when Once Upon a Ballroom was born. Tori has a master's of fine arts in dramatic writing as well as undergraduate degrees in theater and psychology. In addition to her roles as artistic director, playwright, and co-owner of Once Upon a Ballroom, she also is the event coordinator and development manager for the Arizona Pet Project. She's a competitive ballroom dancer and is the reigning United States Amateur National Nine Dance Champion, along with her dance partner, Nick Kaldawi. Tori, thank you so much for taking a coffee break with me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It was great to see you and Nick, and it's always fun to say Nick and Victoria when you hit the dance floor and smooth. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) it was great to see you at the Kansas City Dance Classic. So... Before we launch into talking about Once Upon a Ballroom, I want you to tell me a little bit about your job with the Arizona Pet Project and what the organization's mission is. Yeah, of course. So um, the Arizona Pet Project is a nonprofit located in Phoenix, Arizona, but we just expanded to Tucson, Arizona, which is very exciting. But we are an organization that helps uh, families that are at risk. Uh, So for example, uh, veterans, disabled community, domestic abuse survivors, we provide social programs so they can stay with their pets instead of sending their pets to a shelter. So we're keeping families and their loved ones, their furry friends together. All right, so now we're going to pivot. I know you love fairy tales. I do too, for the record. Um, And theater. I do too, for the record. And ballroom dancing. I do too, for the record. So we have so much in common. The difference between you and me, though, is that I'm a spectator. And you decided to combine them into an artistic endeavor. Your first performance, according to the website, was April in 2018. Which means you were very young. How old were you exactly? Oh my gosh, 2018. That's a lot of math. Um, I was a (laughs) sophomore in college, so I would be 19. Oh my gosh. So you answered my next question, which is, were you in college? And I I can't help but wondering, was it a school project? No, it wasn't. So um, I was the fundraising head of Wildcat Dance Sport, which is the University of Arizona's ballroom team. And um, we needed money. And um, I, we were going to do a Dancing with the Stars kind of Disney night. My friend Taylor Burghardt and I were working really hard on it. And then um, that's that's illegal. That's a lot of copyright. So um I, we came up with the idea of what if I wrote a story and it was Cinderella and what if the dances helped tell the story and um, it went really, really well. And uh, from there on, I went to a theater management class and I created the business Once Upon a Ballroom and I got a $750 grant to do Peter Pan. And since then, I've been chugging along. I'm interested to know a little bit more about your creative process. For example, how do you choose what stories to tell? 
I know that you write the scripts, but they are beloved stories that you sort of rewrite in order to in order to be able to tell the story through the dances. Yes, I try to pick stories that um, I've always wanted to add something to or create my own twist, I guess. So for example, with The Great Gatsby, I've always felt that Daisy could be more (laughs) in that story. And um, I really, really enjoyed trying to bring out the situational humor in it while while making the rest of it as devastatingly beautiful as possible and with Dracula I um I've always been um I have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer tattoo I am the biggest vampire like lover in the universe and I'm really really fascinated with the women like the gender roles in that show and I wanted to play on Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein and bring light to that like comedic um endeavor so yeah I try to pick stories that I think would be super fun to tweak and uh, tell my version. Now you mentioned copyright issues when you were talking (laughs) about your first you know your initial thought on how to fundraise for the Wildcats team. Who selects the music and do you have licensing issues with that or do you have someone who's who's sort of writing original pieces for you? No, so um, I have an ASCAP license. Um, I pay for it every year, so I'm allowed to basically pick music through that. I pick all the music. So yeah, I write it, I pick the music, I choreograph about 50% of it, and sometimes I'm in it, and I direct it. So it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. How do you decide which dance styles to use to tell different parts of the story? Ooh, okay. So um, I'm a big believer, and I think you can agree as um, somebody who partakes in ballroom dance, that each dance has a different intention, right? There's a different emotion, there's a different zone, right? So how I start writing these things in the first place, normally with plays, you start writing the script. However, I like to take the original story and I break it down in beats And then I assign a dance to each major event that happens in the script. So, for example, in Great Gatsby, there's a moment where um, Myrtle and Tom are arguing and Daisy and um, Gatsby are arguing. They happen at completely different times in the story, but I decided to make them happen at the exact same time to highlight the, like, the emotional tension and I made it a tango which is obviously one of the most intense passion dances right passionate dances and I did it to um toxic by Britney Spears oh so I I haven't I'm gonna I'm sorry to interrupt you I haven't watched all of the performances that are on the website I did watch the Wizard of Oz which was Oh my fantastic. God. And I loved that I saw Nick in that. So you've obviously recruited Nick to, to join you in this. But um, I think it's fascinating that you use contemporary music as well. Things that people that are recognizable, which I think is also part of the appeal. How long? Yeah. yeah how long does it typically take you to produce a show from start to finish, like when you first get the idea in your head to rewrite the story to the final performance. That's a, oh, okay. So it it really differs. So um, for example, The Wizard of Oz was my MFA thesis. 
So that took obviously about five, six months because okay. I was having teacher check-ins, etc. But normally I would say three months, three and a half months uh, for the whole process. Sometimes we like to challenge ourselves over here and Great Gatsby was done in one month. Oh, wow. And Pride and Prejudice was done in one month. Wow. Pride and Prejudice? That's a that's a very complicated story. That's pretty, that's short. Wow. Yeah, that okay. was, that was great. Also to meet my whole cast, they were wonderful, but I'm looking at them and uh, they were like, we've never read Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, fantastic. My version will be the first version you read. And that I've actually, <laughs> I've come across that a lot. Um, my lovely dance teacher, uh, Radomir Pashev, he um, never saw The Wizard of Oz. And afterwards, he loved it. And he goes to watch the movie and he goes, wait, where's Mulligan the monkey? And I'm like, I oh, yeah, my character. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I was going to say the monkeys scared me way more in the movie than they did in, the, in your musical. Yes, the monkeys yes. scared me. Yeah. Okay. So my next question, do you have a theater company? And if not, how do you find your players? And, you know, what specific skill sets do you look for? Like, do you require that people know how to ballroom dance or do you teach them? Yeah, so uh, I don't own a specific theater company. I own the LLC for Once Upon a Ballroom. So that itself is the company, essentially. I used to teach Acting One and I um, met a lot of amazing uh, students there. And I also am one of the co-coaches um, for Arizona State University's ballroom team, Double Dance Sport. Uh, so, okay. I do a lot of fishing over there to try and get people on board. It's really a mixed bag. I have actors that have never danced before. I have dancers that have never acted before. And then I kind of just have people that want to hang out and make friends. And that's okay. the best. So yes, we teach people to ballroom dance through this process. So um, for example, our Gatsby and the Great Gatsby had never ballroom danced. And we taught them everything. And they were phenomenal in that performance. Nick Caldowie is a great example. He's never acted in his life. And we were able to break him out of his shell and uh, work really hard. And now he just performed as Jonathan Harker in Dracula as one of the leads. So, wow. So, wow. You know, um, it's, it's a progression on both sides. That's very interesting. And I know there's a mission statement on your website, but I'd like you to tell people why you're doing this now, what your impetus is and what motivates you. Yeah, no. So why I'm doing this is simply, I think ballroom dance is such an amazing art form, but oftentimes I find it very inaccessible for people because they're too anxious about, you know, going partner dancing with someone. And I think bringing it in this sort of way, it gives the same love for people that just love musicals, right? To tell a story with the dance, to connect to the dance in a different way, rather than, oh, look at this elegant dance. But when you see, you know, um, Peter Pan and Hook battling in a Paso Doble, it changes the intention, right? And I try to get as many people involved with it as possible. And that's why I think it's so amazing. It's a multidisciplinary thing. So I want to get, you know, actors involved with dancing. I want to get musicians and I want people of all ages to be involved in these productions. And um, we've been uh, able to achieve that mission statement as the ages keep getting higher and higher and younger and younger. Well, dancing is for everybody, right? Yes. Which brings me to my next question. How did you find your way to the ballroom? 
Oh my gosh. It was my sophomore year of college and um, I was sitting next to this wonderful person. Her name is Allison. And I had no friends. I just needed to like put this out there in the universe. I was a theater major and it just was not working out. And she was like, oh, I'm part of the ballroom dance club. And I said, that's fake. That's not a real club. So a couple months go by and she invited me to dinner and I go with her and essentially she goes, oh, I just need to make a quick stop at my ballroom club. And I go in with her and they all learned my name and I have social anxiety. So I was like, oh, oh, shoot, I got to go back. And I just kept going back. And then uh, one week into the club, I went to San Diego to compete with them. And I saw people winning medals. And I said, wow, I would love to win a medal. And I stayed. Yeah, it's so funny what gets you there. It can sometimes be very serendipitous. It can sometimes be intentional. But the common theme that I hear from people is that once you get there, you're hooked. And it, yes, it's very much like a drug. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> We love ballroom. So Nick and you are not the same age. He's a good bit older than you, like maybe five years Older seven than you? years. Seven years older than you. So I'm curious, how did you end up forming your partnership? Yeah, so Nick was at U of A in law school. The cool thing about Wildcat Dance Sport, their club, is that you don't have to be a university member to be a part of the team. So once he graduated, he still stuck with the club and, um, you know, did the lessons with the coach and everything. And I met him there. He didn't give me the time of day. Uh, rightfully so. I was terrible. <laughs> he was doing pro-am in Latin and he ne- and he would always practice by himself. He's a very focused man. And I, being the smart goal I am, I said, hey, do you need someone to practice with? And so I started practicing with him and I was like, we should just compete in Latin together. It'll be fun. And a beautiful partnership was born. <laughs> And so how did you how did you make the shift over to the dark side from international to American <laughs> nine dance? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was doing Latin and doing great at it. I was doing Latin and smooth. And I started, I moved to Tempe for grad school and I did lessons at Energy Ballroom with Girgana. Slavova and she basically pulled me aside and said hey you can either do 10 dance or nine dance but here's the spiel your smooth is 10 times better than your latin so she was like it's easier to transition you to rhythm than for me to teach you standard and I was like you know what sounds great so we switched over to nine dance and I've never looked back oh wow well I feel like I met you for the first time like really met you and I had seen you a bunch but I really met you for the first time at national championships this past March and then yeah. it's been really fun to bump into you around the country on the dance floor and I've really enjoyed watching you and Nick have really improved from nationals to Kansas City Dance Classic and that was about what four months it was the the improvement was literally palpable. You guys looked great. I'm, I'm Thank really you happy. Thank so much. Yeah, yeah. So my question is, where will you be competing next? Um, so actually, we are competing on this Sunday at a Phoenix Fall Festival in Arizona. Our next competition after that is going to be uh, BYU's uh, collegiate competition. And then we'll oh, be at yeah. Holiday Classic in okay. December. Okay, okay. So you all are not going to Ohio? No, we're not going to Ohio because 
I am the co-owner of Solar Flare, which is a new uh, USA Dance Challenge event in Phoenix, Arizona, hosted at ASU. Oh my gosh, you're kidding. When is that? I didn't even see it on the calendar. That'll be November 18th. Okay. I so, did. Very excited. Yeah, we're already registered for Ohio. So I'm so sorry, but I don't think that's in the cards for us this year, but maybe next year. Yes, keep it in mind. We're going to grow it bigger and better. <laughs> Will it be a collegiate? So it's a USA Dance Challenge. Is it is going to be heavily collegiate? Do you think you'll have a lot of seniors? Uh, no, we're going to have a lot of seniors. We have a senior population here in Phoenix that's pretty active. Okay. So, and then we also have a lot of youth as well. Okay, great. All right. Well, we are coming up on 20 minutes and you know, I like to keep this at a coffee break. So <laughs> I want to wrap things up, but before I do, I want to give you a chance to share anything else you'd like to share about once upon a ballroom or the Arizona pet project. Yeah, of course. Hey everyone. Um, Once Upon a Ballroom is an active um, organization and we are so open to anyone that is willing to audition. I take anyone that is simply just wanting to learn about ballroom dance or learn how to act or just, you know, make some friends along the way. You can find us at onceuponaballroom.com. We are also on Instagram. Our next production is The Odyssey which will be in March next year. And we're very, very excited for it. So stay tuned. I'm in the process of writing it. Um, And then in regard to the Arizona Pet Project, you can find us on uh, literally every social media platform under the Arizona Pet Project. Um, We have our Hero 2024 Gala coming up in March And that is a super big deal. It brings in a huge amount of revenue. And it's also a great opportunity to celebrate some local animals and personal heroes in our lives. So that's super exciting. And that's kind of what I'm up to. So please, please don't be a stranger. Reach out. I'm always available. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tori. I am so excited that you agreed to come on the podcast. I want to thank you. I know you're really busy. But I really want to thank you for taking a coffee break with me and wish you happy dancing. Of course, you too, Antoinette. That's all, folks. If you're a fan of Coffee Break with the Dancing Housewife, click the like button, share us with your friends, and be sure to tune in every week. New episodes drop on Mondays at 4 a.m. Eastern Time.